Welcome to Ride Around the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. And welcome to another episode of Ride Around the Road. Uh, today we're travelling south to Geelong in Victoria here on the east coast of Australia. And I have the beautiful Ali Sinclair with me. Uh, good evening, Ali. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Ali. Uh, now, Ali has, we were just talking before the podcast, everybody. I've last spoke to Ali here on the podcast for her second novel, Under the Spanish Stars, After Luna Tango. And Ali was really getting some uh, mileage and starting to really gain traction, especially here in Australia and then uh, overseas with her translations. Now we've got Beneath the Parisian Skies and her latest book, The Beautiful, Beautiful Burning Fields. Uh, Ali, tell us about your career in the last couple of years and how it's really taken off. Oh, it, it's it's crazy. Sometimes I have to stop and think that it's really only been four years since my first book was published. And in that time, I've, well, obviously had four books published here, four books published overseas. I've had tra- titles translated into German, into Serbian. I now work as a manuscript assessor and and a tutor as well and get to travel around and and teach people the craft of writing. Um, It's it's been crazy, but it was a long journey towards getting to that point. It it took me 11 years and three manuscripts and a lot of no's (laughs) from agents and publishers before I got that final yes, which just started me on that road. Yeah, and, and that whole saying, yes, as you said, it's opened up a whole new world for you mm. to be an overnight success. <laughs> yes, the four-year, or was it ten-year overnight success? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> now, just a little bit about uh, Burning Fields before we get into the podcast proper. Yeah. Um, it's set up in far or in North Queensland, far North Queensland, I'm assuming, uh, in the in the cane fields. I'm guessing because. I was just enamoured. Tell us a little bit about it. Oh, yes. This book's set in 1948 in a fictional town uh, in North Queensland amongst the sugarcane fields. And part of the storyline is also in 1943 Italy during the World War II and the Italian Civil War. So we've got a couple of storylines running parallel and they, of course, meet up and everything clicks into place. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's... about a young woman's journey, she was quite ahead of her time. Uh, she want, wants to break tradition. She's worked for the Australian Women Army Service and experienced quite a bit of independence. And after the war, when the soldiers returned home, they all wanted to go back to their old worlds and, and their old jobs. So a lot of the women who had experienced independence um, working for the war effort have then had to return home to traditional roles of homemaker and um, you know, working in shops and those sorts of things. So Rosie returns home to her family and uh, has a big struggle with her dad, who's quite the traditionalist. And even though he falls ill and needs someone to look after the farm, he, he doesn't want his daughter doing such a thing. So Rosie, of course, likes to, you know, go against tradition and uh, fights, to, fights to have her way. So it's, it's an exploration of an era in Australian history, well, actually history across the world, where women have had to reassess their roles and also it touches on um, post-traumatic stress syndrome as well, which, of course, um, 
wasn't, you know, didn't actually have a name for it back then, but it does does touch on that. And it also looks at the uh, immigration post-war as well, especially for uh, people from countries like, say, Italy, where they switched sides during the war. So post-war, it, um, a lot of Italians experienced a lot of, a lot of uh, racism from, from people here in Australia. Yeah, and it's, um, sorry, I should have introduced it properly, everybody. It's historical fiction, historical yeah. romance fiction, I guess we yeah. could call that with the dual narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really interesting. We are really spoilt for choice with the stories that we tell here in Australia because there's not a lot um, that's around, tra- oh, sorry, in the past. There's certainly a lot coming out now and there's a lot of writers that are being, I guess, signed up to write these bigger media sagas again. So we're seeing quite a trend that these um, these sagas are coming back into fashion. Oh, we are and, and it's fantastic. I think for a long time, uh, certainly with my discussions with other writers and just looking at books that have been available, I don't know whether we were afraid of telling our own history or we just didn't feel it was important enough. I don't know. But I think things have definitely changed these days and we are really delving into some interesting parts of Australian history and discovering the most amazing stories. So it's really great to see this growth in Australian fiction for sure. Yeah, and, uh, of course, we've got to... The the argument was that people overseas, an international audience, wouldn't be interested in Australian settings. But that too, not only does it appear to be changing, um, but international authors are coming over to Australia to set their novels. And there was one even in your blog post recently, and she was this amazing adventurous lady and she's written books all over the world and travelled all over the world. She said, oh, come on, everybody, you've got to go over to Australia. It's a wonderful place. And I thought it's almost in reverse now, and I can't remember that lady's name, but she was in your story behind the story. Oh, gosh, I've had a few. I'm just trying to think who it was now. <laughs> I've had a few fantastic authors. But, yeah, you know, I, absolutely. And I'm thinking also um, my American publisher, I my Australian-based story, I wasn't really sure if they were going to be interested. But as soon as I, I told them what it was about, they were, they were all over the whole idea. They thought, you know, it would be really great to have an Australian story um, published with their line. And, yeah, so it's it's really great that people outside Australia are also really interested in our stories. Yeah, and we might have Natasha Lester um, to thank a little bit for that. She's doing great guns and I wouldn't say that she's leading the push, but she's certainly making a big splash at the moment, isn't she? She is doing really well, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> and and we're all following along and we're watching and we're watching you, Ali, and we're watching a lot of our Australian writers um, come to the fore, uh, which brings me to your hard um, copy of your one of your novels. Which one was it? Was it the, I've written it down, was it Under the Spanish Stars? Yes, um, yes, uh, yeah. Oh, did you talk about the German publication of it? Yes. Yeah, that one, <laughs> that one was amazing. Like, you know, when I started writing, I, I had my bucket list and one of my, a few of the things on my bucket list were to be published in German because I know that German readers are quite voracious and they do tend to like Australian voices and was to have a hardcover one day with its own dust jacket and to one day go on an international book tour and I managed to strike all of those things off my list last September. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I was reading this in my background research, everybody, and I love the international flavour of it, but what really, really enamoured me was you being in Vienna 
and seeing people doing a little tango as you were holding your German book with its um, hardcover and its dust jacket. Now, that is just such a beautiful story, everyone, because um, Ali has her books, um, let's read them, um, Luna Tango, Under the Spanish Stars, Beneath Parisian Skies. We read Ali's background and it is, um, she's Australian-born but spent her early adult life travelling the globe, scaling mountains in Nepal, Argentina, Peru, rafting down the Ganges, reading a camel in the Sahara. And I laughed and now you're in country Victoria in Geelong. <laughs> um, the romance just blew me away. <laughs> oh, yes, that's, Geelong is so exotic. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the so the um, dancing dancing the tang- the tango in Vienna, I, it just oh, it yeah. held it together for me. Um, but what I wanted to what I've brought you on today for, or what we're here today to talk about, is women, life, and writing. Oh, uh, now I know you've been on a couple of panels lately. We've been talking about the role of romance novels and and how we how we have carved out our own identity. Um, I'm going to hand over to you now because that's about all I know. Oh, look, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really heartwarming now to see that the romance genre is, uh, a lot more people are open to it because I think romance writers, our voices are, there's more voices and I think we're a lot more vocal um, talking about what romance is and what it isn't. And it was actually has been interesting. I've been at a couple of writers' festivals over the last month talking about romance and when I explain to people like romance is really it's a relationship that's all it is it's it's a relationship between two people and their romance books are so much more because even though there's a couple that are together or trying to be together or trying to stay apart um, there are other relationships that they have with other people that can impact on what happens so it's romances usually aren't just about one relationship it's about relationship with family friends, um, work colleagues, there's a whole lot of different layers to it. And, and a lot of romance books these days deal with some pretty pretty big issues as well, which is fantastic. So there's a lot of layers to romance stories as well. And I think people are starting to discover that these stories have a lot more weight behind them than they originally thought. And I actually had a gentleman come up to me. I was at the Ballingen Writers Festival a couple of weeks ago and the gentleman had sat in on the Challenging Women panel and he came up to me afterwards and he said, I've been reading romance and I didn't know it was romance, but I love it. I'm going to read more. So it's really great to see that people are opening up and realising that it's not this little pigeonhole thing that they've had in their minds. So it's, it's, it's a really interesting time at the moment for romance writers. Yeah, and I think, I think kicking into these bigger media sagas and having, having some of you, and I think of Kate Forsyth's novels as well, as or she'd probably kill me if I said they were romances, but all that beautiful, rich history that she writes about. Um, and as I said, we've got Natasha Lister, we've got yourself. These are bigger than your traditional romance novel. These are tipping into those, those um, bigger novels. And, and I, 
you know, Penny Vincenzi and a few of those come to mind. Um, I was looking at, I found an old Catherine Gaskin novel oh, um, wow. in a box of books. And I used to, I grew up on all that, that stuff and they, they are, they're, they're novels first and there is romance in them, mm. but there's history. Um, and I, I sort of open it up to the, the real definition of romance. I'm um, kicking back to the 17th century, um, all, the, all the romantic poets. And we talk about um, nature and, and the meaning of life and, um, what do you call it, spirituality, all those kinds of things. Um, but we've got that education really sipping, uh, seeping through and the research. I'm assuming that this um, latest novel of yours, um, Burning Fields, you had to do a fair bit of research for that. I did. And I am a researcher by nature. And I think that's why I like writing stories that have historical time timelines in them. So I had to research a lot about... Uh, sugar cane, the sugar cane industry, and certainly the sugar cane industry in the late 1940s. I also had to do a lot of research about Italian immigration in Australia and also what life was like in Italy during World War II. Luckily, I've got some Italian friends whose parents were more than happy to talk to me about their experiences. And I also had to research about women post-war and also during the war about what they did for the war efforts um, and how that affected them afterwards when, when their roles changed quite dramatically. So there was a lot of research that went into it, um, but really, I, yeah, I'd much rather research than write sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, and there's a lot more information around nowadays too. Everybody, look, I've come down from North Queensland. I've come down from Townsville where Ali's novel is set, everybody, and I know there was a lot of work around Townsville about women in the war and I know there's a lot of um, history and I wish I had it with me. There was a woman who actually grew up in the cane fields around Bingham and the Herbert River there and she had her grandparents or great-grandparents all their letters and all their diaries and she wrote a story about her mother's life in the cane fields um I should know that sorry everybody I shouldn't have even mentioned it because I can't even remember the name of the thing um but it's something that we take for granted because it's it's under our noses all the time up there but it's just the same as if we go over and research Paris or any of those places um and I'm wondering whether we undervalue what we've got here yeah, and I think going back to what you were talking about before about Australian history, I think we are starting to value our history and, and realise that there, it's really important to, to be able to tell these stories and to tell them from different perspectives as, as well, for sure. Yeah, and I know we teach we teach um, Italian immigration in in high school, and I thought wouldn't it be great if we could get some of our young adult fiction uh, coming through where we can point point our kids to some of our fiction and say, well, have a read of this. This yeah. is our story as we imagine it. But most writers, well, all writers, as far as I know, they make sure that they're historically accurate, so they're they're you know they're a definite source. Yeah, and look, there's actually a really great, um, really great series called Our Australian Girl, which is aimed at the eight to twelve year old uh, age group, and it's fantastic because it tells the stories of uh, different girls, uh, or usually around about the ten to twelve age group, and their immigration story into Australia. And it's really, it's so fascinating. Like I. Yeah, my daughter loves the books. She put me onto them and I just I devour them. They're fantastic. So it'd be good to see them, something like that, as young adults. Yeah, and Jackie French does an amazing job as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, she does. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we're, we're studying Tom Appleby, Convict Boy, 
at the moment, which is a Jackie French novel, everyone, yeah. and I've learned more. Um, and now I love Australian history and I love that early Australian um, history, but she really focused on the first fleet. And I thought there are so many stories yet to be told. So anyone, if you're thinking about writing historical fiction, um, come to one of Ali's workshops. She's here in Brisbane at the end of July if you want to I do it. <laughs> uh, but moving on to you said you recently went to the Emerging Writers Festival mm-hmm. and it was traditionally uh, more literary, but it brought you in and we're talking more about genre fiction now. Does that mean it's becoming or they're recognising the quality of our writers now? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, it's it's a fantastic festival and it's been developing over the years. And, uh, yeah, so I taught a romance writing workshop and it was full, which was fantastic, and I had such engaged participants. It was really nice to see. And... The festival itself was fantastic. They had such an array of writers. They had poets, songwriters, spoken word, performers, um, literary fiction and also expanding into genre fiction. So it was really good to see a cross-section of of the written word or the performed written word, um, which is really good. And it's nice to see festivals be willing to dip into different areas and, and explore those as well. And I think... Participants actually really like that as well because it exposes them to something new. Yeah. Yeah, which is a really good thing, I think. Yeah, and the conversation, I think having the conversations and having them more often and having more podcasts and having yeah. having people talking um, because sometimes I think the book buying world is shrinking uh, when I go into a bookshop and I'm going, oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> but a physical bookshop can't possibly hold, um, I guess, the amount of books that are, that are coming online all the time. Um, but we've seen that our, our book buying public are, are growing all the time. Do you ever hear any conversations around how, you're published in both Australia and overseas by Kensington and is it Harper Collins? Yeah. Um, are you are you selling internationally as much as you are locally? It's in, no, not at the moment. Well, uh, yes. Well, <laughs> I don't know how the sales are going in, in Serbia. I know uh, my translated title has been selling really well in Germany, and I have a really strong presence here in, in Australia. America has been a little bit tougher to break into. Um, still doing well. They, they keep they keep offering me contracts. That so must be doing okay. <laughs> um, but I think sometimes being on the ground in that country that really makes that really makes a difference. Um, so it's and audiences are different too. I think the habits of different audiences, um, book buying habits, are different for each, for each territory. So um, it was really interesting when I was in Germany. They have book events, but they they're like festivals in themselves. It's quite interesting, and so authors when they do a reading, it's almost like they're expected to be an actor. And sometimes publishing companies actually will hire actors to read from the book at a book event. So it's it's quite interesting. It's so different to Australia. So I really enjoyed finding out how books were promoted over in Germany. It was really interesting. 
Yeah, and that's one of the things that I love about our, our global world and our global reach yeah. and our, our podcasts and our YouTube and all those kinds of things because we actually get to see a slice of life where writers are still revered, if you like, and and they, they're they held up on the pedestal and they're admired. Um, and as an aside, I'd really like to say, oh, gee, I had a book published in Serbia. I noticed you just slipped that one in. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely fantastic. Uh, now, you, you do your... You actively promote yourself here in Australia. Are you heading over to the West Coast Writers Festival organised by Rachel Johnson Co. in November? Oh, yes, definitely. I can't wait for that one. That's going to be lots of fun. And it's a really dynamic group of writers over in Perth. I went there last year as part of my book tour for uh, Beneath the Parisian Skies and the readers I met over there were just brilliant. Like they were really really uh I can't think of the word now yeah writer who can't think of words that's good (laughs) but that yeah they were really supportive and really interested in in learning more about the stories behind the reasons we write stories so it was I had a really lovely experience over in Perth so I'm keen to come back there again yeah, I haven't even booked my ticket. I might have to just stand on the edges and stick my head over the fence and see, oh, see with you lot. Uh, uh, but it's interesting um, on that on that note and around that note. I've been a lot more active on Twitter lately, and I'm noticing where all the reading groups are and how you guys promote your books to your readers. There is such an active, uh, I guess, readership and reading groups here in Australia and overseas that I didn't even know existed. So um, it's taken the level of my, it's taken my podcast to another level um, as they learned that I exist. But you guys are clearly tapping into it and getting your word out there. Um, where are some of the places you go? Like if I've got, um, you know, I've got my aspiring writers listening to us, where where do you find your readers? Facebook is, is popular. It is popular. Um, I, I have found the last six to 12 months, Instagram is really popular with readers. It's, it's such a great visual. And I think it's one of those things that, you know, you're standing in the line at the bank, you can just, you know, scroll through Instagram and you get, get all these beautiful images and those sorts of things. I found Instagram, I've, I've uh, had contact with a lot of readers, Facebook, Twitter. Yes. Still, um, I haven't probably been as active on Twitter as, as other people like you. <laughs> but, yeah, certainly for me, um, blogs as well, um, blog posts are another great way to connect. Um, and also just joining organisations, writing organisations as well or your your uh, state writing centre is a really great, like there's uh, Writers Victoria, Queensland Writers Centre. Um, there's one, I think, just in just about every state. And that's an, another really great way to connect with writers and readers as well. Yeah, and, of course, everybody, we've got our Insta Insta TV coming up now. We're all going to be TV stars on Instagram um, because we all <laughs> left it too late for YouTube. <laughs> um, but it, it's really, really interesting because... Um, my youngest daughter has taken over um, our media for our kids' work now because she knows Instagram inside out because they use it. They're natives on Instagram, not the slightest yeah. bit interested in Facebook. I know Facebook's for oldies apparently, says my, you know, my daughter. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, we don't want we don't want to talk about being old. We'll move right along from that one. <laughs> 
yeah. Uh, and and we're talking about women, life, and writing. You're clearly very, very busy now. To have written the number of books that you have in five or uh, four years, and to have the the translations and doing the promotion and going over to Vienna and doing all the wonderful things that you're doing, this is a full time gig for you, isn't it? It is, yes, it absolutely is. Um, just actually handed in number five. So, yeah, and it's it's interesting. So when I first got into writing, that was the goal, was to be able to write full time. Um, but then I was asked by Writers Victoria to take a, a workshop and I enjoyed it so much. And I had taught English as a second language before. And so things have sort of expanded. So I still write my books but I also now do a lot of teaching and manuscript assessment and mentoring um now running some retreats as well so it's interesting how it's just expanded as time has gone on and I really love really love the teaching and mentoring side of things I didn't it wasn't an area I expected to branch out into but it's definitely something I love for sure. Yeah. And and I think our aspiring writers, they just hang off your every word. They they want to hear what you've got to say. And I just want to mention everybody, um, because when I grow up, I'm going to go on this one as well. There just happens to be a Writers at Sea retreat with um, T.M. Clark, which is Tina Clark, I believe. And yes. it's 30th of August to the 7th of September. And I think it was only about $900 or it could be $1,200, something like that. And I went, wow, I can afford that until I discovered that I had to have the boat fare as well. Maybe not. <laughs> uh, but it's... It's so many people, so many of our writers are running these retreats now and yep. the advantage of it is everybody, if you're on a boat and this one's sailing to New Caledonia and mm-hmm. you have two, I think, highly trained authors at your beck and call, they can't get away from you. So if you're interested in going on a retreat, I think a boat's a damn fine place to go. Um, and the whip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing else to do during the day on a boat except write. Um, but, again, the romance of it, that, that real-life romance, if you can't be inspired when you're surrounded by, by um, the wonderful setting of the sea and then New Caledonia and having you guys with you. These yeah. retreats are becoming more and more popular. I, I know there's a lot of um, writers um, tell me about the retreats that you're running. Have you found that there's been a lot of uptake? Yeah, it's definitely, I've it been, who doesn't want to spend a week in the Pacific? <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's, um, it's, yeah, it's definitely been really, really popular and uh, so popular that, you know, we, we're definitely planning to run it on a yearly basis. Um, I will also add that I am planning to run one in Salzburg next year as well. So, but it will be a different kind of retreat. Um, I've I've been lucky enough to be on a few cruises and each time I go on a cruise, I just find myself staring out at the ocean with my pad and pen and, I, and it's so inspiring. So that was where the idea came from it. And Tina and I had always talked about um, pairing up and, and doing a retreat so it just made a lot of sense to to be able to include the sun and the ocean and 
be inspired. You can sit under a palm tree and bite your little heart out. (laughs) Now, remember, everybody, this is an adventurer personified. You want to be careful what you find yourself doing. Um, (laughs) Let me read these things again. Mountain climbing, scaling mountains, yeah, rafting down the Ganges, riding a camel. Be careful what you wish for on this retreat. It could be all sorts of fun. Um, I think I should go along. I try to get, I try to score a ride on all of these things by going along and saying, oh, I'll just record and, and keep track of you. Um, but I haven't managed it yet, but I will get there. Okay, book number five. Um, it didn't slip my attention that you said you've submitted book number five. You're going to fess up and give us a little clue? Oh, yes. Well, we are returning to the same town where Burning Fields is set. Uh, so Burning Fields is set in 1948. This time it's going to be 1994 and it's going to be the scene of a TV miniseries is being filmed in the town and it also ties in with 1952 Hollywood. So it's an interesting combination. Oh, okay. Now are we at Ingham or Innisfail? Well, it's in Piri River, which is my fictional town. So I... Oh, you're not allowed to tell your real towns. Why is that? I've asked this question before. Why aren't we allowed to tell real towns? Give me a clue. (laughs) I don't know, really. Um, What I did do is just I think I took all my favourite parts from the towns I had travelled in up in Queensland to the sugarcane area, areas, and I just created my own little fictional town. Have you got Mount Bartle Freer in it? Yes. Ah, so it's in as well, everybody. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, sorry, I couldn't go. I had to give it away. All right. Okay. Um, everybody, for again, for our international listeners and probably our poor old Victorians, uh, Far North Queensland is known for its beautiful waterfalls and its mountains and its deep rainforest up around the Tully Gorges and things there. There can be some really interesting things happen because there's crocodiles and there's all sorts of things up there and there's also a lot of impenetrable jungle. Um, do you find that they're just wonderful things? And please, cyclones. Um, I I'm I'm think cyclones are a bit overdone. Don't have a cyclone. Uh, no, no cyclones. It's all right. Every time someone sets a novel in North Queensland, they have to throw in their um, obligatory cyclone. And I'm going, no, I left that one out for yeah, you. <laughs> they don't happen all the time. Uh, did you find that the pure, ex- um, the exoticness, is that a word speaking on a writing podcast? The exoticness of the location, was that just, um, was that inspiring to write? Oh, absolutely. Uh, for me, there is something really romantic about sugarcane fields, if you forget all about the creepy callies. Full of snakes, everybody. <laughs> we leave those out. Um, I th- it's just just so scenic and, and I always find whenever I'm up in the sugarcane fields, uh, there's just something that speaks to me and I knew I had to set my novel there. I toyed with a few different ideas of different places I could set it in in Australia and each time I kept coming back to, to Queensland and to the sugarcane regions. It just... My story couldn't have been written anywhere else. It just that was the place. Yeah, and I think it's suitably exotic for our for our international readership. It's a mm-hmm. Great Barrier Reef, everybody. It's just north of the Whit Sundays. I've um, just been talking to Annie Seaton about her her uh, oh, yes. day dawn. So we're moving a little bit further north, everyone. We're heading up towards Cairns, a uh, beautiful part of the world. Blue skies, uh, very very tropical. And as I said to my daughters, Ali. If these places were close to America, they would be overrun with tourists. The reason they're not is because we're so far away. But these places are every bit as beautiful as anywhere else in the world. Would you agree? 
Yes, yes, absolutely. And I, th- I think that's one of the things that does make them so attractive is because they aren't overrun like other places in the world. So we ca- it's kind of like we want to keep it a secret, <laughs> yeah. but then we also want to boast about how beautiful it is as well. Yeah. I often wonder, um, and I think it's just because of what I do here, is I feel that we're overrun with writers writing about everything, all our wonderful places in Australia. We've got Barbara Hannay up that way and she oh, has some Barbara, beautiful romance. Yes. We've got Helen Young um, on her boat and I believe they're doing a bit of a tour around um, coming up soon as well, which is really exciting. I've just interviewed a beautiful lady, Jackie Underdown from... Oh, Oh, yes. Yeah? Yes, yes. So so we're spoilt for choice when it comes to female writers Um, and we're talking about... I'm just bringing it up and winding this up now. We're talking about women, life and writing. You make a full-time living out of your writing. You're, You're prolific. You work very, very hard. Or what are the downsides? Not being able to switch off. That's a bit of a toughie. Because I do work from home, sometimes I find myself like say nine o'clock on a Tuesday night, I think, oh, I must email my publisher about something. And then I'm there for another two hours because I think, oh, you know what, I might just go back and revisit that chapter I just wrote. And so it's really hard sometimes to be able to switch off um so that's probably the hardest thing and I think it's really important to be able to switch off I often get what I call a book hangover so (laughs) once I've written a book and then sent it into my publisher I need a good four weeks six weeks of not writing anything new and just to to refill the creative well. So that's when I get to finally attack my to-be-read pile and enjoy other people's stories, which is really lovely. Yeah, I'll reward. <laughs> we can't keep up with the, the number of books. You only got to walk into Big W and have a look <gasps> at the shelves at the moment. You go, oh, I know her and her and her and her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brings me to the point is my podcast is being overladen with female writers. Where are all our blokes? Well, my brother's a writer. <laughs> so there's one. Um, that's an interesting thing. I, there, I mean, there's certainly a lot of male writers out there, but uh, I don't know whether it's just the community that I move, like the circles that I move in, in the community that, there are a lot of female writers but maybe it's just we're actively out there talking about what we do a little bit more I'm not sure yeah there definitely are a lot of male writers out there yeah or or maybe it's the networking thing uh Mm. I'm I'm looking at this um oh I took a photo of it yesterday to try and get in touch with him a a big name Australian crime writer um just released a new book and I've I'm doing very well today, guys. I've forgotten his name. Uh, and I'll be ashamed because he's a really big writer. Michael um, Robotham, is that the That's the guy. Say that again. <laughs> there you go. Michael Robotham. I hope I pronounced that right. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought he's, I see him. He's quite active. And I see yes. him when I go into Dimmock's here in Brisbane. He's, you know, books are up everywhere. Um, and they're signed copies. So he must be doing a bit of tripping around as well. Um, yeah. So I think everybody, I think we'll make an active um, effort to try and track down some of our, I call it blokes, how was he am I, uh, our male <laughs> writers and, and try and even up the, you know, balance things up a bit because I think women life and writing, I think we're really, really coming into our own. You guys are out there as ambassadors doing a fantastic job and we might have to push the guys to come out of the cupboard, do you think? 
Yeah, we might have to. Yeah, maybe maybe the numbers of us scare them <laughs> and they're running. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I know there's a lot of um, women in crime now who yes. are really making a mark for themselves. I'm thinking of L.A. Larkin and I'm thinking of Rachel Amphlett. They're, they're out there and they're really making a making a difference I think and very successful at it uh so I think we need to follow that one through everybody leave it with me I'll I'll snoop around and see what I can find out uh what's next for you you've got your next book in the bag you're going to take some time out and come up and visit us here in Queensland looking forward to that (laughs) okay share with us where you'll be because I thought it was this month everybody but we've got a month up our sleeves where where can we find you Ali Okay, so on Thursday, the 26th of July, I'll be at Riverbend Books in Brisbane. And Saturday, the 28th of July, I'm teaching a romance writing workshop with the Queensland Writers' Centre. And let's have a look. Sunday, 29 July, I'll be heading up north to Perigian Beach at Annie's Bookstore and I'll be doing some book signing there. And Monday, I'm doing a romance writing panel with Anna Campbell, Ali Blake, and hosted by TM Clark, my partner in crime for the retreat. <laughs> and that is at the Avid Reader. And then on Tuesday, I'll be heading south to Eleanor Library along the Gold Coast, and I'll be uh, doing doing an event there as well. And then I might collapse. <laughs> yeah. Now. <laughs> Again, for for um, half our readership there, what or listenership, we're talking about the Gold Coast on the um, eastern border of Australia. We're talking about the Sunshine Coast on the eastern border of Australia. Some of the best places, I think, in Australia. Uh, and Ali will come up and visit us and I'll try and get some photographs. Otherwise, you can find Ali at your website. Ali, what is it, www.alisinclair.com. That's the one. Yep, absolutely. Always keen to hear from readers and writers. Um, Yeah, always happy to have a chat and always welcome questions as well. I I like to hear from other people and if they've got questions about anything. Yeah, and I think we've blown open that whole idea of um, how to write a romance novel that Ali runs uh, workshops on so very, very capably. We've kicked right away from the 55,000-word category romances, even though they're still there and we've got some fantastic authors with them. We can now say that to write a romance novel almost encompasses any story that you would like to tell. Yes, exactly, and and that's the thing, that's the beauty of this this genre is it's expanding and changing all the time, so it never ever gets boring. Yeah, never. I can assure you, it never ever gets boring. Some of us just get richer than others. Okay, that's that's a wrap for Rudder on the Road for today. We we're at our usual limit of forty five minutes. Um, I was talking to Ali that we're going to try and cut it down to um, thirty minutes, and I've been trying to do it for a year. Never going to happen. Forget it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's bye from Rudder on the Road for another week. Thank you.